Blog Talk Radio. The following is a disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of the Roman Show Network, its management, or other advertisers. What if I told you it was all a lie? And right now, everything changes. It's time for the best wrestling show you're ever going to hear. Their stories, their passion, from the independence to the big time. We have it all. We are the most intense, in-your-face, break-it-down wrestling show you're ever going to hear. So are you ready? Because this ain't your mama's wrestling show. This is Reality Check Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great edition of the most real talk show on the net. I am your host, George Alonso, and welcome to Reality Check check radio guys you'll have to pardon my voice a little bit here today as my voice is completely out of it i've been battling the flu and uh so far i'm losing <laughs> so guys before i continue rambling on we have a stack line up here for you and i will be talking to you about what's going on here today but first let's go ahead and introduce you my family members that i cannot live without first i'm talking about the lollipop queen christina how are you i'm doing all right George, I'm sorry for throwing the flu at you, but in all honesty, it all started with Speedy, so let's on air just all blame Speedy for all of our sicknesses. Shame on you, Speedy. Go sit in the corner. You're punished. You're lucky I'm not shaving your your glorious beard for this. Anyway, (laughs) sorry, a little bit of my anger just came out of me there for a little bit. And, of course, I'm... We could also not live without the conscience of Reality Check Radio. I am talking about a father figure to us all. He loves pain, but at the same time, he's the conscience of this show. I am talking about the one and the only Rick Foley. How are you, Rick? Rick Foley's like Lysol. Very important today. I'm going to be holding this kind of Lysol in my hand and spraying it from time to time. i got to keep this flu away from me, brother. <laughs> Ain't that the freaking truth? Uh, because, uh, God forbid, uh, this... Uh, it, it, it seems like someone's playing radio in the background. It's not me. <laughs> you, okay. you don't need to worry so, about that. That's, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's all good. Got it. <laughs> Oh God! Anyway, no, I I don't know if there there was a line being crossed or because this happened to me before. I'm serious. It's happened to me where I've had been on the phone and in a lice a, a lice. Wow! No, we don't have lice here on Reality Check Radio. A line uh, crosses over, and uh, that I was just wondering, was it that? I I don't know. But anyway, guys, welcome to Reality Check Radio. We are stacked from top to bottom today. Uh, Guys, we have some great guests here today. Uh, We actually have a wrestling veteran in TJ Marconi that's going to be joining here here tonight. And also, I'm talking about the up-and-comer, 
a guy who defies gravity in Sebastian Cage will also be here on our show today as well. But guys, before we stop, we talk to them. We also have a very exclusive interview uh, from this past week's one-year anniversary show with Brainbuster Pro, where Christina was able to sit down with Johnny Vando himself. So let's go ahead and do that exclusive interview. All right, it's Christina here with Reality Tech Radio. I am here in Palm Beach, Florida at Brainbuster Poe, where they just had their first year anniversary show. That's right. I'm here right now with Johnny Vandal. What's up? What's How's up, guys? How are you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been forever. Been waiting to get on the show. Finally on it. So thank you for having me. Appreciate you, George. We miss you, man. So we had a big night tonight. I've heard a lot of fans coming out here saying you had a hell of a match. How do you feel? I feel great. I think me and Craig, uh, we pushed each other to the limit. I think that our match was definitely an awesome career versus ownership match. Started the show off hot and kind of set the bar for everybody to follow. And that's kind of what we wanted to do. You know, this being our one-year anniversary show, we wanted to book the best talent. We wanted to book the best matches. We wanted to bring MVP in here. South Florida hasn't seen him uh, since he's been off of TV years ago. So for him to come in, you know, and do the friend's favor and me give him a call and to just do it for me and Craig, man, we're so appreciative. And like you saw, you know, we had 300-plus fans standing on their feet chanting, you know, the whole time, MVP or Johnny Vandal or whatnot. So I think everybody had a good time. I think all the shows are going to be as strong uh, or even better than this show, and we're only going to get better from here, you know. Our anniversary shows are obviously going to be like our manias, you know, so not every show is going to be MVP or the biggest name, but I can guarantee you the best talent that we can book, the best talent um, to come from Florida or actually from anywhere around the world, you know, we'll book you. If you could work, uh, we want you in Brain Buster, and we want to put you to the test, so... From now on, you guys are only going to see the best talent and the best shows, and we're going to continue to do so, man. And the Brain Buster Dojo is going to open up at the end of March, and we're going to get people trained right. And, uh, you know, we're going to produce rock stars. So come check us out. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and just keep following. March 18th in Miami, April 29th in Hollywood. That's our next two shows. Awesome. And, you know, you having MVP tonight at tonight's show. You know, he's been a little bit more of a mentor for you. So how does it feel having him here on your show? Yeah, you know, MVP, he was a mentor. You know, before, right before he got signed, uh, I was 16 years old. We were training together, and he was, you know, letting me know, kind of giving me advice, things like that. So for him to come back and work one of my shows and Craig's shows and kind of give back and not forget where he came from is awesome. And, yeah, as a mentor, you know, he's proud of me and Craig. He's proud that we're throwing a show. He's proud that we put on good matches. You know, he puts Craig over all the time about the Japan stuff and recently me with the NXT stuff. So to have his support, especially being our mentor, and let's face it, being MVP, one of the biggest names in WWE for a decade, um, it's an honor for us. So, and, and you know what? You're going to see more of him. We, won't, we don't know when he's going to be back, but we can promise you he will be back. So MVP, you will see him at Brainbuster Pro again soon. And speaking of you being on uh, NXT, did he give you any words of advice for him being a former WWE guy? He did give me a little bit of advice. Uh, nothing I want to go too much in specifics for, because if anybody else has that opportunity, I don't want him to fucking, oops, sorry, freaking rain on my parade. Um, so at the same time, yes, the advice is awesome, and I love MVP for it. Um, my next date, I got to do NXT uh, Wednesday, February 22nd. If you guys are in Orlando, it's a live event, so check it out. I'll be there. And... Uh, We'll see, you know, where it goes from there. And if, if NXT, your match at NXT is anything like tonight, it's going to be a jam-packed show. It's going to be a fantastic match. We expect no less of Mr. Johnny Vandal. And with your match tonight, Craig, uh, you know, ownership, you know, the winner taking ownership, wasn't expecting it to be the first match. Is there a reason behind it? 
yeah, you know, me and Craig, you know, we're going back and forth with the car. We said, how are we going to start the show? We said, let's start it hot. And then that way, if we start it, you know, we set the bar and everybody has to follow that. And we wanted to set a certain standard for the anniversary show, and I think we did. I think we came out and we killed it, and everybody had to follow us. So, yeah, I think it's a little unorthodox to do, uh, like, a semi-main event first match, but I think it worked well. I think the crowd was into it, and I think it started the show hot, and I think that's what it needed. So I liked it, the crowd liked it, and that's all that really matters, and the fans liked it. And you guys liked it, right? Yeah, yeah loved so it. that's all that matters. Right? As long as the fans are happy, you're happy, right? That's it. Super happy. So thank you guys man, for course. having me. I appreciate it. George, we miss you, man. Feel better. Finally got on the show. Thank you guys for having me. March 18th, Miami, April 29th, Hollywood. Uh, check out my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, Brainbuster, JVandal1. Uh, follow me. Follow my NXT adventures. Follow my Brainbuster adventures. Uh, I'll be at Fest Wrestling in Gainesville next Sunday. Check that out. Um, so I'm everywhere, man. Just check me out. And keep following me. Keep supporting me. I love you guys. Thank you for everything that you guys have done and all the support you've shown. And I really appreciate it. And you heard it from the man himself, of course. Thank you for supporting Brainbuster. Thank you for supporting Johnny Vandal. But also, thank you guys for supporting Reality Check and letting us give you these interviews that you guys want to hear. And, of course, obviously, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Real Check Radio. And it's been Christina, and I'll catch you later. Reality Check! All right, that was the exclusive by Christina at this last uh, week's Brainbuster Pros one-year anniversary, Broken Dreams with Johnny Vandal. Great job there, Christina. Thank you. Uh, two, two things, though. First of all, okay. I, I misspoke and said Palm Beach instead of Pompano Beach. So, first of all, if anybody was confused, my apologies. But, you know, it happens, life happens. And second... Uh, it's all right, Johnny Vandal, if you're listening for the F-bomb, it happens too. Everyone drops an F-bomb from time to time, and we're no stranger to it. <laughs> oh, God, how many times have we heard the F-bomb here on this show? Yeah, you're completely right, Christina. But that, now, mind you, Christina, as far as that little mistake is concerned, the, the Pompano Palm Beach thing that you're talking about, come on, you can't blame yourself for that. That's what happens when you get that adrenaline. You know, sometimes you're just so hyped, so so crazy. You're like, oh, I'm here in Miami, Florida, when you're really in Philadelphia, <laughs> just because of all the excitement. So I, I can't blame you for that. Yeah, it was a lot of excitement at that show. It was jam-packed. Over 350 people at that show. I mean, there, so much energy was there. So definitely that's most likely what it was. My brain was a little foggy from all of the energy and the adrenaline that was going on that night. And I'm sure Rick could agree with me because he was there too. It was an incredible show, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, Brainbuster Pro guys, make sure you look them up on Facebook, uh, of course, Instagram and Twitter for anything that you need to look up. Uh, you know, as far as Brainbuster Pro, when their next show is concerned, uh, when their next show is, uh, like Johnny Vandal mentioned twice in the interview, uh, they are an official partner of Reality Check Radio, and we will always be there to support them, uh, whether it's all three of us or two of us or one of us. Uh, we will always be there to support uh, and share a helping hand to the local independents, uh, making sure that we all grow respectfully and professionally. So, guys, but please do not ask us to pick sides because that's something we just won't do. I'm just saying that right now. Now, guys, also today we have some big news. It's been all over social media here, guys. And, and Rick, this is, again, talking 
time time classics of you and me was just announced earlier this earlier this day that the Rock and Roll Express will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Rick, what, what did you, man, talking about a big bombshell. Well, absolutely. It takes me back. You know, it takes me back to a classic dude with another Express, and that would be the Midnight Express. I mean, those were, those were some, uh, some great days, and I'm happy for, for those guys. That, uh, they're, they're getting their, their call in. It's about time. No, yeah, you know, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, who can forget their legendary feuds with the Midnight Express? You know, okay. who can forget that? Like, it, 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 they're a multi-tag team champions all over the world. As a matter of fact, they even did do a cameo at one time in the WWE when the NWA was kind of being introduced into the programming at that time of the WWF. Uh, but Christina, what, what do you have to say about this big bombshell as far as the Rock and Roll Express being inducted into the Hall of Fame today? I mean, it's great. They are a legendary tag team, and you know, just to be in the Hall of Fame is such like a prestigious, just like award. And I think like no better team right now deserves it than the Rock and Roll or the Rock and Roll Express. I'm very happy for them. I can't wait to see it, catch it on the network. I'll be in town, obviously doing some other things, but I probably won't catch it live, so I'll probably catch it on the network after. Yeah, same here. Uh, and if not, we're probably going to be partying with them in downtown <laughs> Orlando, <laughs> for all we know. Right, Christina? Oh, yeah. I'll be there to celebrate fistfuls of champagne for everybody. <laughs> oh, God. Listen, if I find one of these Hall of Famers on downtown Orlando, I'm buying them, like, a a, a, a beer or sh- or some champagne or something. If I see one of them in downtown Orlando, that's the that's going to be on my bucket list. If you see Kurt Angle, the Rock and Roll Express, or any future Hall of Famer in downtown Orlando that week, I'm buying them champagne. Save but your money now, then, George. Uh, no. Who said no. my money is going to be on your bill? No. You just said you were <laughs> going to buy it. Rick, did I hear that wrong? Did George just say he was going to buy it? I think I heard him. I think the flu is kicking your ass there, George. I think you just said you were going to buy them champagne. So our financials guy, note that for the record. Put that down. Don Perignon champagne on George. Listen, Rick, when we're family, money is all all for us. Like, we all share one wallet, okay? So in this case, when I say mine, I mean I really mean Christina's wallet. So Uh that's what I meant. (laughs) No. Christina, let's remember that Saturday night, wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah, let's remember that. Yep. Uh, well, tell you what, it, we'll, we'll cut a deal. How about we uh, we put it on Raymond Sanchez's bill because he's our cue card guy. Uh, he's never here and on time in the office. So yeah, we'll put it on Raymond's bill. Everyone, no one opposed to that. Uh, I'm no, Anyone opposed? That works for me. I, I don't oppose anything that I don't have to pay for. Uh, she's that's a, that's a smart woman over there. Very smart woman right there. <laughs> Ray, you're screwed. <laughs> you better not show up to Orlando that week, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, guys, so, guys, today also Bill Goldberg returns on to Monday Night Raw to answer Brock Lesnar's challenge, uh, you know, tonight on Monday Night Raw. I, I feel like this whole setup, like, I, I'm, I'm starting to, to love, love professional wrestling again like really there's so much to live for on the television product now don't get me wrong 
Raw is entertaining, but I feel like SmackDown is leading by so much leaps and bounds when it comes to their matches and stories. I feel like SmackDown is giving you more of a real feel than Raw, where I feel Raw is giving you watered-down material. Like, don't get me wrong, Raw has picked it up a little bit these past couple weeks, but SmackDown has really been lighting up the fire ever since they did the whole brand extension. So... When talking about that, of course, Christina, who do you think is winning this whole brand war thing? Do you think Raw is leading or SmackDown? Oh, 100% SmackDown Live. I feel like the benefit is that, you know, with Shane and Daniel Bryan, you know, heading SmackDown Live, I feel like they're kind of listening to, like, the younger audience and the audience that is really tied into the Internet. And trust me, the wrestling fans on the Internet are very vocal about their opinions. And they will tell you about oh. it constantly. And I feel like with Raw, like, everyone complains that the three-hour show is the issue. But it shouldn't be the issue. That's more time to, you know, have your roster go out and do cut-lengthy promos and have really long, stretched-out, entertaining matches and build storylines. But I feel like they're still trying to, like, cram so much. And it's like, you know, you get a five, ten-minute match here and then, like, a... a and 15-minute promo that doesn't really do anything for the storyline that's happening. So I kind of feel like, you know, SmackDown's kind of, it's, I don't know, it feels more fresh, more hip, more jive, if I want to sound a little older here. But that's, that's <laughs> my feeling towards it. It's a lot more, it's fresh, it's new. I enjoy it. I love what SmackDown Live is doing, not to knock Raw in any way, but for me, SmackDown Live is my choice for the show that I prefer. Okay. So, yeah, I, I have to say that. And on top of that, I'm pretty sure, you know, you're going to be happy about this here, uh, to hear this, Rick, because as a matter of fact, our former host, or should I call him still cameo host, Little CM Punk shared this earlier today where we just found out, and this might make you happy too, Christina, um, that we just found out today or that there's a little rumor being sparked or a little tease being sparked on SmackDown Live that Dolph Ziggler might start up a feud with Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10. Rick, do you want to see that happen? Oh, yeah, that would, that would, be, that would be awesome. I mean, Ty Dillinger is obviously a rising star. Uh, Dolph, I think, is, Dolph is as good as it, as it gets. Probably hasn't always been used uh, correctly. But, uh, that, yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Now, to kind of piggyback off of that, what you just said, Dolph Ziggler did mention earlier on in a tweet saying that for all the people who were annoyed with my face run in 2016, you're going to love my run in 2017. So what does that mean? Are we going to see a much darker, much bigger, I, I don't want to say this, but a-hole of a Dolph Ziggler come 2017, even though we're already seeing it, but, like, we've seen heel Dolph Ziggler before, but it was a cocky Dolph Ziggler. What does he mean? Like, are we going to see a darker Dolph Ziggler? Christina, what are your thoughts? I, I hope so. I honestly do. I do like Dolph Ziggler. I know a lot of people that don't. They feel like he's kind of just, like, you know, thrown, thrown on our faces and he doesn't really deliver, but I don't think so at all. I mean, the live event that I went to back in December where he had a steel cage match with the Miz, it was just, like, the show stealing match of the night. I love Dolph Ziggler. I think he's completely talented. And I think to go against somebody like Ty Dillinger, I honestly think that's almost the perfect recipe. 
You know, it's the veteran in Dolph Ziggler who's tired of not getting the chance and, you know, not really rising to the top for a long period of time versus, you know, Ty Dillinger, who the crowd's going to love because he's a fan favorite down in NXT. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to him to come up on the main roster and go against somebody like Dolph Ziggler and, you know, Ty Dillinger can throw off that he's the perfect 10 and Dolph Ziggler never really quite made it all the way up there. I feel like it's great. The story's there. If they can carry it right and they can do the right type of promos and storylines for it, I think it's it's definitely like a money making cue. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. So my last question to this roundtable discussion is, you know, a lot of people now that we're talking about even you know Ty Dillinger in this situation, a lot of people are now saying Ty Dillinger is so up there in management that they see him as the next Daniel Bryan. And what I don't mean, even though Ty Dillinger is a talented young man, I'm not saying that he's not as talented as Daniel, but I'm not, management is not seeing him that way. What I'm talking about is they see it as in the 10 could be the next yes. So, Rick, roundtable discussion, do you think the chant of 10 could be possibly the next yes and take over the yes movement? Well, by the times that I've seen uh, Ty Dillinger uh, live at NXT, that's that's it's, you know that's that's all they do when he comes out. So uh, absolutely, I, I see it for sure. Okay, so Rick says that he, uh, the Ten Movement is going to take over the Yes Movement. Uh, Christina. Well, I don't think the Ten Movement is going to take over the Yes Movement because the Yes Movement. I mean, chanting Yes can go for anything. You know, I don't think that's ever really going to yeah. die down. I feel like that's something that wrestling fans are always going to hold near, dear into their heart. For just the chanting on their own, but also it being in relation to Daniel Bryan. But I do definitely see the Ten Chant being as popular as the F movement, but just not overtaking it. I feel like they're definitely going to be up there in the top chance that wrestling fans are going to want to throw at its shows. But not one, not one's going to do better than the other one in my opinion. All right. So I, I have to side with Christina in this opinion because, I, like, Rick, I, I see what you're getting with as far as, like, oh, my God, that guy's ovation. Once he comes out through those curtains, it's, it's ridiculous. Sometimes you're even wondering, is that, like, that pop that he gets? Sometimes you look at it and you're like, why is this man not mainly inventing WrestleMania? <laughs> you know, it's kind oh, of yeah, like no, that situation. Uh, no, absolutely. No, I, I, sort of, I sort of misunderstood. If you're asking me if it would take over the yes chant, no. No, I don't ever see that overtaking the yes chant. How oh. they do the yes chants at at indie shows? So I, I no, I don't think it would ever overtake it. But it it would definitely it's definitely going to be something you know that's going to be you know pop very popular. That's obviously it already is. But overtake the yes chant? No, absolutely not. No. Okay. So yeah, like I could only imagine. Can you imagine this, guys? If you're there at a live event, or even if you're watching it on TV, and you know this is eventually going to happen, let's admit it, but imagine the one day that you see Ty Dillinger and Daniel Bryan both in the ring for an in-ring promo. What are the fans going to do? <laughs> you know, are they going to chant, yes, 10, yes, 10? I'm like, um, <laughs> I, okay, I think the, the crowd just took over the show. <laughs> I, I'm I kind of like saying. the Let's Go Cena Cena sucks deal almost. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, guys, it's now time to go ahead and contact our first guest. I'm talking about the man who defies gravity in Sebastian Cage. Let's go ahead and reach out to him. And right after this, we'll be talking about the debuting Samoa Joe and what we could possibly see in his future now that, of course, Seth Rollins is on the shelf, which is kind of very disappointing, but it's understandable. Hello. Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Cage. Yes. Hey, Mr. Cage, this How is George doing? alongside Christina and Rick from Reality Check Radio. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Uh, I can't complain, bro. I can't complain. Uh, just trying to battle this flu in, in a two out of three falls match, and so far the flu has uh, won up on me. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so I have to ask you something, Mr. Cage, because, of course, you being a professional wrestler and all, how do you bounce back in a second fall and a two out of three falls? How can I bounce back on this? Give me some pointers. Bounce back? Uh, let me see. The <laughs> advice is to not tap out. Get up and try and breathe hard and go at it again. Give it another shot. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Cage, again, for joining us here on Reality Check Radio. I really do appreciate your time uh, coming on here. Uh, I know you're a very busy man. Uh, that's That goes along with every pro wrestler's life. You know, you guys have to stay in shape, have to train, have to do everything in order to entertain us fans. And I say thank you very much for taking this opportunity to come on our show today. Thank you for having so. me. It's a pleasure. No, this pleasure's all ours, Mr. Cage. So I have to ask you this one fun question. Ever since I saw a picture of you, I'm going to throw this fun question first before we get into the real deal about your career. Mr. Cage, yes. did your look or did your character, I don't want to call it gimmick, did your character have any reference to the Mortal Kombat character Johnny Cage? Yes, it does. That's the that's the reason behind it. Yeah. I'm basically oh related to him in a way. Huh. You know, out of, so like, you're a Mortal Kombat guy? Out of every, not really, but I'm talking about him himself as a person. Oh. Like, I'm part of one oh. of his family members. Yeah. I'm related to him in a way. Because you oh. know, out of one last name, there's, there's a lot of different races. Like, you could, you could have a... Let's say uh, uh, Johnson. You got Johnson from uh, Ecuador. You got Johnsons from, you know, from a lot of different countries and a lot of different races. So I'm one of the cages yeah. from another race. Oh, well, that's why I basically do it to inspire him, yeah, to inspire after him as I was related to huh. him. That's what it is. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, no, I, I just w I found that interesting because, like, when I first looked you up, I'm like, man, this guy resembles so much like Johnny Cage during, like, when I used to play Mortal Kombat in the arcades. This guy resembles so much. And and, and that's the character I used to play always on uh, in Mortal Kombat. I love the shadow kick. Uh, I love the little, you know, split and then hitting you in the, the gonads. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna have so much fun talking to this guy. But For basically, sure. <laughs> that that was my fun. That was my fun question. Now that I got that bucket list out checked off, so 
let's get down and gritty about your career here, Mr. Cage. Basically, I know that you you've uh, started watching wrestling when you were four years old, man. That that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you. <laughs> I got hooked. You started watching. <laughs> that's amazing, dude. Where I got hooked at six, I want to say, and I'm thir- I'm proud to be mm-hmm. 35 now, and. <laughs> And one of the things that got me hooked was Hogan. And in your case, mm. man, that, your case was is amazing. It, it was it all started with The Undertaker for you. Yeah, you he was the t- one. He was can, the one. Can you please tell us how that happened, how this four-year-old kid was motivated to become a wrestler because of such a scary character like The Undertaker? I'm sorry to tell what? you, man. During that time, when he, I peed my pants. <laughs> But let me tell you though, you're gonna laugh at the story though. Uh, All right. I grew up in um, in DR, Dominican Republic. I was born here. I was taken out. Um, they took me over there when I was two years old. Um, they sent me on a little vacation and ended up being, I ended up staying there till I was like ten years old. So, uh, when I get there, my grandma took care of me. They raised me, and then one of my cousins. One of my older cousins, he came from New York to Dominican Republic for vacation. That's when I was around four years old. So he came and he had one of the old school VCR tapes, the big ones. I remember like it was yesterday. And he had you know, the big old school TV with the lump in the back and everything. So yeah. he comes and he's like, yo, come over here, sit with me. So I sit next to him and we're in the living room in my house. Uh, so he goes and he puts the tape in. And the first image that pops up, is the Royal Rumble. And then right there is the scene where um, he, when he's, like, in the casket and then, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, the lights is going off and all of that, and then the casket explodes, and then he ends up coming out, like, in the screen and his face, like, he, he wakes up. I was scared. That was my first expression. I saw that. I'm like, oh, my God, a dead man? Oh, come on. I was, like, petrified. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Oh, my God. Is he really dead? I couldn't sleep for a few days after that. Like, I kept having him in my dreams. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. But that didn't stop me from watching. After that, I, I was just like, yo, I want to see that again and again and again. And then when I saw what they were doing in the ring, that captivated me. I was like, oh, my God, I'm just, I want to, I said it, I want to do that when I grow up. And, and my cousin looked at me and laughed, and he's like, yeah, we'll see. And I'm like, I want to do that when I grow up. I, I want to be one of those guys. You'll see. And then from there on, like, over there, they, they play. You see how Monday Night Raw and SmackDown is, like, on, like, they have Monday and Tuesday or Thursday at the time. Where, I, yeah. where I'm from, they used to play it on Saturdays. So you didn't really get ah. to see it through the week. So every single Saturday, my aunt would make sure that I would wake up on time to watch the wrestling every single Saturday. Faithfully, I was there watching Raw, SmackDown, and WCW at the time that it was going, the Monday Night Raw was going on. And from there on, I was just like, yo, this is what I want to do. I want to be one of those guys. I, I, I was like, that would be the one thing that I would do out of everything that I want to do in my life. I want to be a wrestler, like The Undertaker. And then it took it took off from there. Well, of course, The Undertaker being like the sheriff of the WWE, possibly the longest reigning WWE, you know, wrestler right now on the entire roster. 
but uh, I have to say, I have to ask you this now that, like you said, you went to Dominican Republic and you were introduced to wrestling over there in that country. Did, did you ever get to experience any, like uh, per se, Dominican Republic independent shows while you were over there as well, or no? No, never. Uh, and that that was kind of one of the the the, the disappointing things about it that uh, me being young and being such a fan, like I was just. Such a fan, like I, I, like my dream was to be able to watch a show like live to be there. And the, where I'm from is like a small town, so all they had was baseball. So I really excelled in baseball. I, you know, I went oh. on, and since it was the only sport to play, I was okay. So I'm gonna play this. So I always been like I excel really good in baseball, and then, but with my thoughts of always like I want to be a wrestler, but there's no wrestling schools here where I'm from. Like, I had to go mm. and move to the capital to, like, it was, like, so far away. So I had to move out there to be able to go to a wrestling school. But there was no oh. independent shows running at the time, yeah. There was no independent shows running at the time over there. It, now it's picking up but, over there in the country. It's picking up now. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that on your bucket list to, to say, hey, I want to eventually, you know, have a show in the Dominican Republic, the place that introduced me to the business I love, and now to say, hey, I'm back in my home and I'm wrestling for you guys where it all started? Is that part of your bucket list? Yes, it is. That's one of the main ones. That That is nice. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> because... And, and I, like, I would imagine you like in general, Dominicans are such a like wrestling fans, like they real fans. Like if you're a heel, you have to have cops escort you out because they take like they take the sport so serious as far as like they don't know what's behind the curtain, you know? Like they don't know. Yeah. So if you're a heel and you're getting so much heat that they will have to escort you out because there'll be people trying to follow you after. So that hmm. that that's how serious it gets. So you know. <laughs> well, I, that, that that thanks for that warning because if I ever one day go on vacation and I say, oh, I'm here at DR and I'm gonna experience a wrestling show, and then all of a sudden I see some people chasing a heel with a knife, I'll be like, um, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna that, that's, sit down. That's the kind of thing that will happen. Yeah, you you have to be real careful with that. <laughs> thanks for the warning on that. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, For sure. <laughs> with that being said, and, and of course with your Latino background in, in Dominican Republic, uh, you know, I have to say also you were trained by another Latino uh, in the Mexican background uh, known as Astro Negro. Uh, you know, yes, and yes. he taught you, you know, he taught you the, the Mexican, uh, Mexican style while Joel Maximo also helped you with the American style. You became basically a hybrid pro wrestler. And Correct. can you yeah, tell both. us? Exa- yeah, can you tell and us how important missed, it is? Missed, um, late on from the doghouse too, as well. He's one of the guys who put me onto the American style. It was three of them. It was Astro, it was Joel, and um, and Lathan from the doghouse. All three of them. And you also worked, and you also worked with Bronco International at BWF, correct? Yes, yes, for sure. Yes, yes. I trained at his school, yeah. and then from there, like. Astro and Lathan trained train me when I went to BWF. And also um, Bronco helped me out here and there. And then I went on to the Ludus Wrestling Center, and that's when I got introduced to Joel. And then we went from there. He started teaching me everything. Well, 
how important is it to, to, to make sure that you know all these styles when you enter this business? Because a lot of people, uh, Mr. Cage, and I'm pretty sure sometimes you bump into that, uh, you know, as you travel along the states, that a lot, sometimes you bump into that one person that says, hey, I just want to stick to strong style or I just want to stick to high flying. How important is it to know every style in the, re- in the resume of professional wrestling when you're in the business? Well, to me, it was um, like like Astro said to me one time when I was getting like when I was getting started, and he kind of mm-hmm. like saw something in me when I started training with him. He was like, "Yo, you're gonna be great one day, kid." He's like, "But what I want you to understand is, you're gonna be surrounded by a lot of different people in this business that are gonna tell you like, oh, I only wrestle the American style, and that's all I want to do.'" But in in your luck, you have me and you also have him. So now, from me, you're going to learn the Mexican style of wrestling, which is the more, you know, high-flying and more, you know, like agile style. While with him, you're going to learn the more, like, technical. And he basically told me, you're going to have the best of both worlds that you could combine and put your own your own touch to it. So he's like, in this way, you won't, you won't have trouble with people that... We, are not going to want to work your style of wrestling because you can adapt to whatever they do because you you learn both of them. So that's what basically he said to me. And then from there, I was like, okay. And then it just took off from there. I was just like, okay, learn, 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 learn. And then I bump into a lot of people that say, oh, this is the style of wrestling that I do. And I'm like, okay, I do that too. I can work that style. And then I get the other guy that's like, okay, what you know how to do. I'm like, I know how to do pretty much everything that you do too so let's work together let's put everything together and then like that i feel like it's kind of a better way to get around you know because mm-hmm. this business is hard so it's a good way to get yeah. around exactly and i feel like it, it helps you also get more bookings by saying hey if you could can you wrestle this style yes i can okay then i'm gonna put you against this guy you know i i feel yeah, like that, it that, helps the, that's true the, you know, and my final question before I turn it over to my two family members here. Um, basically, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, uh, Mr. Cage, what was the, the hardest yeah. style to learn during that process? Because, you know, inserting all this like a sponge must have been a little hard. But, you know, what was, in your opinion, the hardest style to learn? Was it the strong style, the high-flying, the American? To me, um I mean, everything from the get was hard because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like, when I when I set myself and I was like, you know what, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. I What I said in my head, I was like, oh, I used to play baseball in the high, you know, in the high league. Uh, this workout is not going to be hard, you know. I mean, I've been through hard. I don't know. Let's see. I'll give it a try. What, am I, what, what do I have to lose? I, I've been an athlete all my life. Okay. When I got into the ring and I started, it took me – no lie, I, it took me like two months to learn how to do a proper backbone. So you know how hard it was from there. And then to put, yeah. like, basically, it, it's hard to remember, like, when, you, when you're trying to, like, learn spots and positioning and how to get up, like, the correct way, it's hard. Like, a lot of people think it's just like, oh, yeah, you get in the ring and, the, uh, and that's it, you become great. No, it's, it's, it's a hard process to learn from the smallest step to the top. To learn how to run the ropes, everything was a, 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 a difficult, hard process. But you know, it took a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, 
time for me to get everything down pat. But mm-hmm. to, for me, the hardest style to me that, that was to learn was probably the chaining was one of the most difficult and annoying things that I had to learn how to do. Hmm. The chaining and... Yeah, the chaining and somewhat the selling of, you know, how to, you know, register and how to go from... that. That's one of the hardest things to me. That To me, that that was one of the hardest things to learn. You know, because there's always a lot of small things that you got to learn how to pick up, you know, because you always got to think for two, not for one. You know what I mean? So it's it's, yeah. like, it's a difficult thing. And th- I thank you very much for even bringing that up about thinking for two and not for one. I, I'm definitely going to, uh, you know, talk about that a little later. But I don't want to take the much time from my two other family members who also want to ask you questions. So I'll definitely bring up that statement that you mentioned. Um, but now I'm going to pass over the microphone to my sister. Uh, she's known as the lollipop queen. I'm talking about Christina. Christina, Mr. Cage is all yours. All right, first of all, Mr. Cage, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sitting down with us and uh, talking with us. But, uh, yeah, you were talking about Thank you, how, Thank you uh, for having me. Of course. But you were talking uh, with George a little bit about, like, the misconceptions of how people think wrestling is easy, that you can kind of just jump in the ring and, you know, with a snap of a finger, it's, it's ingrained in you. You can, you can get it down. But, you know, how long did it take from you starting your training uh, till you actually had your very first match? It took me, like, I mean, I feel like I got around it very quick because it took me seven months till I had my first match. It took me seven months of hard work, but that was because I was just in the gym Monday, Monday through Sunday every week. It got to a point that one of my friends, um, he even told me, he's like, bro, you have to take a break because your body is, you're going to destroy your body. You need to take a break. I was like, no, I need to get ready. I want to get in the ring. and I want to have my first match. So I need to be ready. So, yeah, it took me about seven months, which is a very quick, a very quick time for somebody to get their first match. You know, I know people that's been around for longer and haven't gotten their first match yet, you know. So it took me about seven months. Yeah, because I was talking with a few wrestlers at an independent show this past weekend, and, you know, they've been training for, you know, a little over a year, about a year, Mark, and they're still, you know, just repping. They haven't gotten the chance to be in the ring yet. So I didn't know if this was, like, you know, a kind of sort of common thing, because I've heard of people going in, the, you know, having their first match three months into their training or five months into their training, not, like, a little over a year or something. But, you know, I guess it's, it's you know, a normal thing. So you know, Yeah, because, I mean, like they always say, you have to pay your dues before you get, you know. So you have to learn how to get around everything. It takes a little time. Yeah, and it definitely was, you know, get, giving your body a break. Have you have you kind of listened to your friend from back in the day yet, or are you still trying to go as hard yeah, as possible? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of smarting up a little bit and trying – my best to take care of my body but you know this business is hard because everything we well most of it is is all physical you know so it's a hard thing to do but I'm trying to smarten up and take care of my body as much as possible if I want to be around for a long time 
Would you say that was one of the things that you didn't realize starting your training and starting to get into the business? Or what would you say is yeah. like the most, you know, something you didn't realize, you were just like, all right, like that's something you had to learn real quick to get into this business? Uh, that, that, yeah, I didn't know that I have to, that I had to, you know, take care of myself. I was just like, yo, I'm going to just get in there and work, 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 work every day, no matter what, how hurt I am. And, uh, I kind of, to me, it was more of a, like, how long is it going to take me till I get in the ring and have my first match? But I have to figure out what I want to be and who I want to be. And, uh, I have to learn how to communicate and how to, you know, how to execute the moves the correct way. Because then again, like I said earlier, it's, you got to think about two, not one. So it's all about protecting your opponent. So I was trying to make sure that I knew how to do these things and protect my, you know, my opponent. Cause I wanted to be safe. It's all about safety, you know, but it's hard. And you growing up uh, watching wrestling in the Dominican Republic, and did you did you go to any shows at all in the Dominican? There was no like real small town shows, or like what was your first Nothing. experience at a live show? Because I know like watching on TV versus at a live show is two totally different experiences. What was like your first taste of seeing it live? It's to me, it's kind of sad that I went to to watch my first wrestling show when I was already eighteen, and that was because I paid for my own ticket to go and watch the show. It was kind of it was it was a different experience when I went to the show and I was like, wait, this doesn't look like TV. Like when they do the breaks and then they start changing around the ring and stuff, I was like kind of heartbroken in a way. I was like, what's going on? You don't see this on TV. Like it, it was kind of weird to me, but like I was confused throughout the whole show. I, I didn't know what was going on and what what time we was on and what was what was the storyline that was going on i don't know it was just confusing to me it was it wasn't like how it was when i watched it on tv so it was a different experience but it was a fun experience though yeah it was just like those uh tv shows that were big in like the early 2000s where you know it would showcase the secrets behind magicians magic tricks and they would show you how they do it and it kind of just broke the illusion for you so like it didn't yeah it was kind of right, like oh you- yeah, but you still love to watch it, even though it wasn't oh, yeah, for sure. the same. <laughs> but how were your parents, <laughs> I, uh, how did your parents do you wanting to be a wrestler? Were they supportive? They didn't take that very well. <laughs> they thought I was crazy. They were like, you really want to do that? I was like, yes, I do. They wanted me to be a baseball player. That's what they wanted. They were like, you, you got to be a baseball player. That's what we want you to be. And I'm like, okay, I'll play it. And I'll do very well in it, but that's not what I really want to do. So I kind of did really, really good in it, but I knew what I wanted at the end of the day. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do this. It kind of gave them, it, like, they took a little time without talking to me until they understood what I was doing. And then they were like, you know what? Let, let's get behind him. Like, what else can we do? He's not going to stop. So, So now everybody's, you know happy and proud and they like oh man you really turned this into something i was like yeah <laughs> have they gotten a chance to, to see you perform live yet yeah they have that's when they were that's when they told me oh my god you're doing so great this is actually really good it's better than we thought i was like yeah it's kind of like i told you so 
that was basically what I said to them. Yeah, that that definitely had to be a bucket list moment before that, just to, you know, see your parents be so proud of you doing what you love to do and what you're so passionate about. Yeah, that's the about. best feeling. That's the best feeling in the world. Now, since we've brought up the, the subject of, of things that are on the top of your bucket list. Uh, as far as the, my career, I want to get into... I, I want, my my goal is to to go to Japan. That's what I want to do. That's where I want to end up at the end of the day. Like that's where my goals are set right now. I want to go to Japan and I want to go to Mexico because I feel like I'll really excel out there. Because you know, like I know the cruiserweights are getting their little shine right now, but you know, since I'm a smaller guy, I want to be able to go to the places where you know it all started for smaller guys. Because you know, up here the WWE was the um. Uh, land of giants so everybody else that was smaller went to you know travel the world i want to travel the world and i want to go to all these different places where i feel like i could you know learn more and get you know better and then hopefully i get picked up by the you know the dream the number the thing i grew up watching the 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 big dog so but for me right now my my uh, what's on the top of my bucket list is i want to go to japan i want to go to japan i want to go to mexico I want to go to Europe. I want to travel the world and get better, learn more, and then come back and rock the house out here. Yeah, because normally you're kind of based off in that, like, northeast territory, New York, Massachusetts area. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be a part of BCW's first ever anniversary show. And I am in the works of, of planning to, to actually be at that event, coming all the way down to oh. Miami and flying all the way to New York. So I'm very excited to be possibly seeing you in action for the first time, since I'm not sure, you know, if you know you're going to come down south towards uh, Miami so that, you know, the rest of the Reality Check family can be able to see you live. Are there any plans for you to come down south? Uh, well, I have a little something for we, – we have this – um. There's a seminar going on in Evolve soon, and I'm planning to go out to go down there in Orlando. So I think around that, um, if if I could get a booking out there around the same time, for sure, you guys would definitely see me. I could definitely come by and see you guys. Awesome. I can't wait. And if I don't catch you down here in Orlando, I will, you know, definitely try my hardest to make it up there to BCW's first uh, anniversary show in New York. But, that uh, show you know, is going to be awesome. Yes, yes. It's going to be a stacked card, and I'm excited at the possibility of going. But I'm going to throw it over yes. to my other co-host over here, George, because, you know, I don't want to take up much of your time, and we got one other person. So I'm going to throw you off to him. Thanks again. No problem. Thank you. All right. So, uh, Rick, it's your turn, buddy. Rick, unmute your mic. <laughs> Mr. Page, how are you, how are you sitting, sir? Yes. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm good, man. Quick question for you. Just following up, you were talking about the, how you went so hard seven days a week training. Was there ever any time where you thought, wow, I didn't really expect this when I first started training to be a wrestler? Yes. For sure. Although even 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 now, I look back and I'm like, wow. Like, 
I mean, I, 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 it's not to brag or nothing, you know, because I'm not that type of guy, but I never thought that when I, because I went with the mentality of like, oh, I'm going to just go over there and, you know, I'm going I'm to give it a shot. I'm going to see what, what what happens. I got nothing to lose. So let me go and give it a shot. And then I, when, I, when I got into the ring the first time and I, and I did my first row, I fell in love with it. Like right away, I was like, you know what? I could do this. I could do it. And now looking back at it, I was like, wow, I never thought I could have got to this level. So if I got here from where I started, what makes me think or, like, you know, doubt that I can't get to the next level that I want to be or that people see, like, oh, a lot of people is always saying, like, oh, you know, I see you being there. And, you know, I always said set goals for yourself and don't stop until you get there and then get higher. So, yeah, looking back at it, it was like, wow, I never thought I got to this part. And, look, I am here now. I want to go there. I could do it, you know? Yeah. Now, you were you were telling us earlier that you you started listening to your friends about taking care of your body. Have you already had any injuries in your, in your short career? Well, nothing major yet. I was just anything like, you know, my knees. I hurt my knees very bad before because, you know, all the high-flying stuff, it ends up catching up to you, my back. I think my lower back at one point I took a bump and it was, I didn't take the correct bump and I couldn't get up for like two days, but you know, eventually I I was able to get better, but nothing major, nothing like I didn't break nothing yet. Thank God. Or I, I haven't gotten up. I think I got one concussion, only one, but that was, well, that was about it. That was really scary. Well, let's try and keep it at one. Hopefully for you, for your sake. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. Now, Let's fast forward just a little bit. I was wondering if you could talk to us about your first actual match. Do you remember it? Can you walk us through it from the minute you, from the minute you walked into the, to the building until the minute you left the ring? Can you kind of describe it to us, how that felt? Oh. Yeah, it was the one of the most nerve-wracking and scary moments of my life. But at the same time, I loved every minute of it. I wrestled my trainer, Lathan. I wrestled him for the first time in a one-on-one. That was my first, first match. It was just, I was in the back, nervous. I got, at one point, I didn't want to do it. I was just like, oh, man, I don't want to do it. I don't, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And he was like, you, in his words, you better get your ass up before I beat you up and bring you out there. You know, he's very rough. He's like, get, get your ass up. You'll do it right. I got you. I'm in there with you. You're not in there by yourself. Stop thinking about you. I was like, yeah, you're right. So, you know. I was in the video. You could tell that I was nervous from the minute I walked through the curtain. I never had that rush of feeling the fans. It was feeling the fans for the first time when you walk through the curtain is like nothing else. It's like that rush that you that you feel like adrenaline, one hundred percent adrenaline. So I walked out. You know, I I did my thing. I got into the ring. The whole I was so nervous throughout the match that uh, you could tell by watching it that I kept. Like I kept being close to the ropes at all times, because I was I was so nervous. I was like, okay, I'm me staying close to the ropes is kind of safe for me, so I'm gonna just stay around the ropes. So the, in the whole match, you see me bumping and going to the ropes, and everywhere I went throughout the whole match, I kept going to the ropes and just staying there. I got hit when, with the finisher to finish the match, and I was by the ropes, like right there. So it was, it was a scary it was a scary thing, but um. From my trainer, it was like that I did very well for a first match. It was just that I was 
nervous. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I better not mess this up. And, you know, having a crowd there was very nerve-wracking. I was like, man, I've never performed in front of a crowd. Like, I trained before, but not in front of a crowd. So it was – it took me some time, and I still get nervous to this day, and it never goes away. That never goes away. But What about a a favorite match so far in your career? Do you have one or more than one maybe? Well, I have a a few. I have a few. I have a – recently, well, last Saturday I had a – a tag team match at um, American Championship Entertainment in Jersey. I wrestled uh, Stalin Finesse. That's a tag team of Mike Donovan and his partner up here in um, in Jersey. They, I wrestled them, and I I partnered up with my with a good friend of mine that you guys had in your show, Steve Pena. He's also Dominican like me. So we both tagged up against them, and we had one of the greatest matches I feel like I ever had in my life. It was just awesome it was just like everything that you wanted to see was in that match uh also the match i had against kurt hawkins brian myers uh that was one of my favorite singles matches it was it was the first time i ever worked somebody like somebody that i feel like I, i could say a real pro you know somebody professional that i could say like i was in the ring with him and i felt comfortable you know that was another one and then also, I had a another match against um, MJF, Maxwell, Jacob Feinstein. It was uh, our first. It, we have a two out of um, a two out of three falls coming up soon, but our first match in BCW in Bree Combination Wrestling, we had our first match, the round one, and that one that one also was one of my favorite matches. And then the last one was against Ray Ray. And BCW as well. We had a one-on-one match. And that was the first time I did the Phoenix Splash, and the crowd just went crazy. That was the first time I brought it out. Yeah, that was another one of my favorite matches. You mentioned uh, your match with uh, Kurt Hawkins. Did, you, did, he, did, you had any, did he give you any advice that uh, was of importance to you in terms of for your future? How, how did that go with him? Yeah, it was really good. He, he did give me advice about the match. Uh, I think it was one thing that I did that I overdid to say to say that he's oversold something, and he was like, in other cases you don't have to, but in my mind when I took the move I oversold it because I thought okay I'm small he's big you know I have to take this move and make him look extra big you know, but he was like it wasn't the time for that yet, but he was like other than that you did really good he was like all you need is a little bit of this. And a little bit of that, and but other than that, I have no complaints. And it, it meant a lot to me, coming from him to say that. To tell sure. me like, oh, you you good, you know, you you good. You just need work in this or that. That's about it. I was like, wow, thank you. No, he's a really good guy, man. Just my last two questions for you. Dream match. Who would that be for you? Dream match. Sebastian Cage versus Ricochet. Wow. Yeah, that's the guy that I that one of the guys that I look up to, and I like I I look at his old stuff, and he looks so much like me. Oh, I look so much like him. Like he was skinny like me, you know. He was very small, and we have like the same skin, and we I feel like we move the same, even though that he's more, you know. Of course, he's like the smoothest guy I've ever seen in the ring. But yeah, Sebastian Cage and Ricochet. And I guess the one final question would would be if 
if you don't eventually wind up being the WWE, you would what? Is that a is that obviously I would think that's everybody's dream at some point. But if that doesn't yeah, happen, <laughs> basically. Right, if that does well, not happen. To me, like I said, I would love to be everywhere. I would love to go to Ring of Honor. I would love to be involved. WWE, if you know, if I can. Uh, but Japan, Mexico, Europe. Well, to me, I want to do this until I can't do it anymore. So it, to me, it was never the, oh, I have to be in WWE. That's all I want. No, I wanted to be a wrestler. So that means I want to entertain people no matter what until I can't do it anymore. So whether it's there or here, I'm going I'm to continue doing it. And, you know, I'm going to just keep going and going farther. And if I make it there, great. If not, so be it. Well, I, I, I'm going to kind of uh, agree with Christina. We certainly hope that you uh, find your way down here to, to Florida, especially South Florida, so that we can, uh, we can all check you out. And it was a pleasure to, uh, to get to know you, and I wish you a ton of success. We'll be following your career closely. I'm going to hand you on back to George. All right. Thank you, brother. It's a pleasure. Well, you see, this is why I like to pass the mic to these two fine young people I work with because if I kept on going, I would have stolen half those questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, by all means, I like to share the, the, the microphone with my two great hosts. Uh, now, what they did is they stole some of mine. <laughs> so, I'm going to oh. just cut <laughs> okay. it down. So I'm going to cut it down to one last question I have for you, Mr. Cage, and then we'll go ahead and let you plug your stuff, uh, like including the BCW one-year anniversary show, which Christina uh, spoke about. Uh, Basically, I have to ask you this one thing. I know you were talking about earlier about injuries, about how people protect one another, you know, in in the ring and, and so on and so forth. But have you ever been in a situation, per se, that uh-huh. yes, the your, your opponent is protecting you, but he's not giving you the full hundred percent. So you're like, come on, bro, lay it on me. Have you ever been in one of those situations? Yes, I have been many times, more more <laughs> than once or twice. Yeah, many, many times, many 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 times. Where I even got scared, I was like, oh my god, I got to be careful, or I'm gonna get hurt badly. So it was. It's not a good feeling. I can say that much. It's not a good feeling. It's it's very scary because you know, mm-hmm. like I like I will say, I you when you step in the ring with me and I step in the ring with you, I, you putting your life in my hands and I'm putting my life in your hands. So it's it's a exactly. scary, scary, scary feeling to have somebody that's not protecting. You know, probably well, you never know. Sometimes there's people that will want to hurt you on purposely, or there's some people that just. They're not aware, you know, they don't know. So they'll, they'll mm-hmm. try to do something and it, it won't come out well. So you're like, oh, wait, let's not do that and let's keep it at this, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, more than once, I can say, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I like how you were just talking about, I would assume that you've been in that position where it's like you're in the ring with a person and the person is trying to take care of you so much or so excessively, per se, that you're like, okay, just lay it on me a little bit, <laughs> you know, while you're in the oh, ring. Yes. I could, so, but I understand the risk you guys go through. Like I said, you guys risk not just body but soul as well in there. Like, 
people don't understand, especially the people who call it the F word. I'm not gonna use that word because I personally hate it. Yeah, uh, I'm about I, the I mean, so do I. I, I. I feel offended when I hear the word. I feel like, like really, like yeah. you never, you have never done this. You've never tried it. Why are you saying that? Exactly. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, and, and let me tell you me, something. Even I, when I was just a fan. Yeah, I, I hate it. I despise it. And that's why I'm using the show to bring back respect to the industry. Because what you guys do is not a ballet, you know, and it's not, it's, you know. Sure it ain't. <laughs> so trust me, I'm, I respect you guys, and I am extremely humble. And I think I could speak for Rick and Christine on this, that we're all so humble for what you guys do, not just on the weekends, but on a seven-day basis to make sure that you go out there and you entertain us. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing what you guys do. Thank you. And that's that's it. And we do it just like that. Like I mean, I've I've never I've I never got into the wrestling business for recognition or to hear you know to get like I never got into this to be rich. Like, a lot of people say, oh, I want to get rich. That's why I want to be a wrestler. Or, or I want people to love me and, and and say, oh, he's so great. Like, it was never for that. It was for the love of it. So every time that you see a kid that he wants a picture with you or wants you to sign something for him, to me sometimes it's, like, it's overwhelming. I'm like, wow, like, I'm, this, is, this is awesome. Like, I wish when I was a kid I had wrestlers around that I could say, like, oh, you know, I look up to you. Can, can I take a picture with you or can I sign – can I get something signed by you? You know, and it's all for the love of it. You know, it was it was always for the love of it. It was never for anything else. And every time you, I go out there, I give my 110 percent, 200 percent. I I give you guys everything I have when I step into that ring, because to me that means that means everything. So, thank you. No, it's our pleasure. And, uh, again, thank you. So, so, Mr. Cage, before you go, let's go ahead and do your plugs. Let's go ahead and plug up that BCW one-year anniversary show coming up. Uh, and, of course, you. So where can people find you on social media? Do you have, like, a Twitter, uh, Instagram? I know that's a thing now. Uh, you know, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> how, can book, <laughs> how can bookers get a hold of you for any inquiries? And where can fans catch you next live? Oh, uh, you could to all the fans out there. You guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook at Sebastian Cage, uh, Facebook Real Sebastian Cage, uh, YouTube Sebastian Cage. All all of my social media is about the same. Um, I'm gonna be at the March 3rd BCW first anniversary show. I was there in the first one. Uh, you guys can catch me at Pro Wrestling Magic on the, on March 18th. I will be at PWA on the 17th of next Friday. I will be at LAW on the 18th in Harlem, New York, Taino Towers. I'll be at the La Boom the next day on the 19th in Queens, New York as well. Uh, American Championship Entertainment on the 3rd as well, the same day as BCW, Destined for Greatness. I'll be there as well, and then at BCW right after. So you guys, pretty much, I'll be everywhere. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Mr. Cage, I thank you again for all your time. I appreciate it, and we hope to have you again in the near future. 
For sure, man. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, brother. Our pleasures. Our pleasure, sir. Our pleasure. I hope you have a great night, okay, sir? You too, brother. Thank you. Uh, You too, sir. Good night. Good night. All right. So, guys, that was Mr. Sebastian Cage. What a young, what a humbled young man, a great professional. I am very proud to have spoken to him. He He's a great, great athlete. I definitely suggest all of you to look him up, whether it be YouTube, Facebook, anything. Sebastian Cage, he's one of the top premiering athletes right now in the business, and, and he's definitely – Definitely it is great uh, to, to even speak to him here today. Uh, Rick, what, what did you have to say about that interview? Well, I, mean, I, I tell you what, the thing that's just kind of stuck out to me is you could just you could just feel his love for the business and uh, his desire and his passion to be, you know, to be as good as he can possibly be. It was very, it was really infectious. I uh, I was very impressed. No, a hundred percent agreed. And Christina, what what do you have to say? Okay. I'm sorry, my bad. Christina, no, you there? That was my bad. Yeah, that was my bad. My mic was on you. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's nice to you know talk to someone that you know grew up watching the same stuff you did. You know, coming out with the Undertaker and having him and his presence just be so like awe inspiring and being like that's what you want to do. Like, you know, The Undertaker, for me, was a big influence on me because he was such a strong character. Like, when he was on screen, nothing else mattered. So to be able to, like, talk to someone that kind of, you know, grew up in that same little, like, streamline as you did was is really refreshing and nice to hear. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. Like, it, it, on me, it was Hogan that kind of, like, inspired me to, to do what I do in this business. But... To hear the under, let, let me just say something. Hogan was your typical or ultimate warrior. Was your typical, hey, I want to be like that guy. You know, I want to be more muscular and, and and beat people up, beat the bad guys, uh, you know, up and and blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, when I hear that his inspiration was the Undertaker, let me just say for the record, guys, when I was that young, I was pissing my pants every time I saw the Undertaker. <laughs> so I I was like. Okay, that that for a four-year-old to be inspired by such a scary character, that was a shock to me. Uh, I, I I'm just saying because I was like I said I was pissing my pants during that time, uh, <laughs> at least me. But anywho, this is not about me pissing my pants, guys. On to the next quick subject here. We were going to talk about Samoa Joe and his impact on his debut last Monday night. As we all know, Seth Rollins is out with an injured MC, MCI. Uh, sorry. <sighs> I cannot talk to the goddamn flu. Anyway, he's out with an injured knee. You know, doctors don't know what's going on yet. You know, as far as how long he's going to be out, is he going to need surgery again? Uh, if you watch it in slow-mo, obviously you see that the turn was kind of, you know, lopsided. It was, it went wrong, per se. And I'm not going to say it's Samoa Joe's fault, nor is it Seth Rollins' fault. You know, it, it, it's an accident. And accidents happen, you know, in the business. You, you, can't, you can't deny things like that. But I'm going to say this. Samoa Joe did make an impact, and he's still making an impact on social media by using this, by making people hate him for that. And I love it. That's an ultimate heel. 
You know, instead of saying, hey, I'm sorry, or, or, you know, on social media like some people have done, he's running with it, and he's saying, hey, the deal is done. You know, and I'm loving it. I'm freaking loving it. And Samoa Joe, hats off to you for that, man. Uh, Christina, what, what do you have to say about the impact already of Samoa Joe? I mean, I knew Samoa Joe was going to make an impact as soon as he was on screen, and he did. Literally, he did. Uh, just, you know, to all the people that were upset about him not being in the Royal Rumble, this was a better way to debut Samoa Joe. You know, he comes in as, I guess, Triple H's bodyguard, maybe part of the authority, maybe we'll find out later, uh, to come in and attack Seth Rollins. And not only attack Seth Rollins, but put him out with a serious injury. And, you know, when he put the coquina clutch on him and, you know, spun around to take him down, Seth Rollins kind of tried to resist it. And, you know, obviously wrestling things happen, people get hurt. And for him to capitalize on Seth Rollins' injury is fantastic. You know, it's you know, Seth Rollins got a lot of heat for injuring, you know, superstars like Sting and stuff, and Samoa Joe got a little bit of heat for, uh, you know, accidentally injuring uh, Tyson uh, a couple months back. I think it's great. I think it's definitely, um, uh, definitely a heel persona that's built in, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see if the, you know what they talk about it tonight on Raw. Well. Well, thank you, Raymond, uh, our cue card guy here in Reality Check Radio. Uh, He just passed me the cue saying that Monday Night Raw will be opening with Samoa Joe with a contract signing of some sort. Could it be the contract signing to his, you know, Raw deal, like from Triple H? I'm telling you guys this right now. Whatever this is, I'm loving it. (laughs) I am loving it how they're putting over Samojo. Yes, you're right, Christina. He was going to make an impact. That, that, that was by far obvious once he made his, you know, main roster debut. But God dang, can you – because you know how the power of social media when it comes to professional wrestling. Once the social media grabs it and they tell you you're at fault for why Seth Rollins is out and why we're not going to see him at WrestleMania, automatically everyone's going to hate you. So imagine – the heel heat that man's going to get. I'm loving it. They're doing this perfectly. Rick, what do you have to say on this? I actually agree with Christina 100%. Um, I know that he was ticked off that he wasn't a part of the Rumble, but I, I think this was absolutely brilliant. The way that to bring him out this way is great. I agree with you, George. I'm not pinning this at all on him. He sort of gets a bad rap of being a guy that injures guys, I, I, I didn't see that at all. It was just one of those things. Maybe Seth came back a little too quickly from the knee. Maybe it was just bad luck, but I, it was definitely, I don't have, think Joe had anything at all to do, you know, with the injury in terms of, you know, being a sloppy worker. And I, it's great. Yeah. I think this is, this is perfect. I think this is absolutely the best thing that they could have done for him. No, yeah, and, and and let me tell you something. This came off so much better than any Royal Rumble, you know, mystery, you know, called entrant. I'm loving it because they're 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 using it in a way that <coughs> not only is he, you know, getting the heel heat for this injury. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying it's his fault, but he's also getting the heel heat for being the quote unquote destroyer. Now let's say. Hypothetically speaking, 
if Seth Rollins is out of WrestleMania, who do you put Samoa Joe with? I'm going to throw out this in the limb. Well, I'll go last because I, I love that you guys go first before me because you guys are great at what you do. So, Rick, I'm going to go with you first. Hypothetically, let's say Seth Rollins is out of WrestleMania. Who would you put Triple H with? Wow, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know what? I'm going to defer to Christina for a second. I need to go over because I'm, I'm not even sure. That's a, that's a really good question. All right. Now, who, All right, so Chris. Yeah. And this is just purely fantasy booking here. But I would yeah. love for Kurt Angle to come back and be like, you know, the Avenger for Seth Rollins and go against the authority. Huh. I never thought about that. What I'm especially here for. with that No, and especially with that big personal feud that, you know, that uh that Samoa Joe had with Kurt Angle in the first place. You know, this would be the perfect time for Kurt Angle to come out because think about it. Think, like, to kind of piggyback off your, your prediction here, Christina, I, I love your idea. Kurt Angle returns, let's say, one of these Raws coming up. Kurt Angle goes, starts the feud with Samoa Joe because of what he did to Seth Rollins. We see that epic collision at Fastlane, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. And then if Kurt Angle beats Joe, he gets Triple H. And then you got Joe in Triple H's corner at WrestleMania, and then you have Seth Rollins in Angle's corner. I feel like that would be epic. Dang, Christina, I'm speechless on that. <laughs> I, I don't even know if my pick is going to be that good. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, try. Uh, it probably won't be as good as mine because nobody's as good as me. But I'll give you the opportunity to try. Holy crud! I'm I'm speechless. Uh, Rick, have you come up with one brew? Because I, I'm I'm. Yeah. Oh God! No, you know, not anything about it. You know, how long has Kurt Angle been teasing us about wanting to come back? I think it, I think it's actually brilliant on Christina's part. I I think that would be. Will it happen? Obviously, we don't know, but that would be. That would be it for me. That's brilliant. Huh. Well, look at this. Uh, Speedy is saying that he wants to see Batista take uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins' place at WrestleMania. God forbid, uh, no. Batista's already said more than once he's not coming back. I, I don't see that. Exactly. Uh, and and Raymond, our cue card guy. Go ahead. Can you just tell Speedy to just sit down, please? Learn Speedy, sit down. <laughs> Speedy, sit down. Don't talk. Uh, but basically, uh, and Raymond, our cue card guy, is saying that he would love to see Sami Zayn take uh, Seth Rollins' place at WrestleMania, which actually would make sense because of Sami's little, you know, feud with Stephanie McMahon. That's interesting. So, yeah, I could see that. I could actually see that. But... Okay, here's here's my throwout. Here, this is my throwdown. My throwdown would be this: Triple H versus Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. Now, you guys are probably like, how can that even be possible? You know, Samoa Joe is on Raw because of Triple H. Think about the nicknames, guys: the Creator and the Destroyer. Triple H. Triple H created the Destroyer. 
And when you give someone the nickname the destroyer, it's probably because it's someone you can't control. So what I'm trying to say is one day Triple H is going to get frustrated and say, I can't control this man. So now I have to destroy my, my creation where then they both face each other in Mania and Samoa Joe wins and that pushes him even higher because it's going to be like, who can stop this guy? Anyone with me on this one? Am I alone? <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I, yeah, you know, why not? I mean, the, the the possibilities here are, I think there's obviously several possibilities. It's going to be interesting to see where they go tonight, if they go anywhere with it tonight. Ah, okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I would. To me, that that'll be an amazing little story, in my opinion. But, okay, guys, I think it's now time for us to reach out to our last guest of the night. I am talking about the wrestling veteran, T.J. Marconi. Uh, so let's go ahead and reach out to this young man for we could end our show on a high note and go watch some Monday Night Raw. Whew, God, this flu is really kicking my butt right now. I'm hating it. We're reaching out to the wrestling veteran, T.J. Marconi. Mr. Marconi. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, Mr. Marconi. Uh, how's it going, man? This is George, Christina, and Rick from Reality Check Radio. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just leaving the gym right now. Oh, so, uh, awesome. So, uh, hey, how was the workout, bro? It was awesome. It was awesome. Hey, did you get to hit some punching bags for me at least after that request <laughs> I asked you for? Yeah, I got you. I did, actually. <laughs> Awesome, yeah. I, I got so much stress on my shoulders right now. Plus, I'm I'm losing this two out of three falls match to the flu. That's ridiculous. So, the flu, so, the flu, the flu never the flu never drops out. No, let me tell you something, man. I feel like I'm facing the Goldberg of flus. But <laughs> but uh, but basically, Mr. Marconi, thank you so very much for joining us here tonight. Uh, you know, especially with your busy schedule, I appreciate your time here on the show today. I'm at any time, man, any time. Well, before we start talking about your career and stuff, let's go ahead and start your, your plugs. I did mention you're you're busy. You have a very busy schedule ahead of you. I know we have some major SWF shows coming up, like No Love, uh, including that's going to have Gilbert on the show, <laughs> yes. and The Patriot coming up as well. Uh, you going against Brian Cage. Uh, it, it, the list goes on and on. And then, of course, House of Glory on February 18th. Uh, tell us what we could be expecting out from all these great shows, man, including the SWF. Well, I mean, SWF is just uh, it's just starting to kick off again, and it started 2017 pretty hot, and now it's having it's going to have 10 shows by the end of April, which is pretty unheard of for an indie company. So, I mean, uh, I'm really looking forward to the SWF and being its champion, and wrestling Brian Cage, you guys, fresh open on the ground, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I would imagine, and I, I like I said, Gilbert is on one of your shows. The Patriot, uh, I, I the Great Kali is going to be making an appearance at one of these shows. Uh, let me ask oh, yeah. you something. The, the Great, 
just rarely get to see the great colleague ever leave India. So to see him on an indie show is pretty crazy. No, yeah, extremely. And where can they purchase their tickets for all these SWF shows? Oh, it's at uh, swfpro.com. They have all the tickets for that. WrestleCon, the big event where they have, uh, we're going to be involved in WrestleMania weekend. I'll be signing stuff for James, Brian Cage, Ty, uh, Sexy Star. It's going to be a pretty busy, busy time for SWF in the next couple months. Oh, well, oh, so you're going to be at Orlando. Perfect. Uh, I'll make sure to uh, give you some coffee when uh, when I see you up there in Orlando then. Yeah, yeah, please, please. It's going to be a busy week for me. I got uh, I got a show Thursday night and uh, Friday night, and then I got WrestleCon uh, Friday and Saturday morning. It's going to be a crazy weekend. Well, us here at Reality Check Radio will be bouncing all over Orlando, working with all the different talents up there, too. So, by all means, it, it, when I see you, I'm definitely going to be there on Thursday for the Full Throttle show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, obviously, WrestleMania, we're going to be tailgating for that one. But Friday, Saturday, not sure yet. But if I do bump into you, Mr. Marconi, I promise you I will be getting you at least a some sort of coffee because you can't be coming to Florida without a coffee, bro. Yeah, I need some coffee, some energy drinks, the whole nine. I definitely need that. Thank you. <laughs> no, my pleasure. My pleasure. So let's go ahead and start talking about your career. Uh, basically, first I want to start is with this. You are a very tall gentleman, uh, tall, great athlete. I've seen some of your matches, phenomenal. Uh, and all of this was brought to you by your, one of your trainers, you know, someone who taught you in this business, and I'm talking about little Guido, known to you WWE fans, as Nunzio. Uh, yeah, Nunzio is one of the – Nunzio was great, man. He was one of the first guys to train me. It was uh, – the actual, the guy who started me in the business was a guy named uh, Andrew Morgan up here in New, uh, the New York area. He's like a very big name up here locally. And then I started training with Nunzio. And then after training with Nunzio, I also trained with Matt Bourne before he passed away. So, I mean, I got a lot of trainers when I first started to help me. So I had a lot of different aspects yeah. of the business right off the bat. Uh, well, Nunzio was one of the, like to, to me, I think one of the most underutilized talents in all, of all time, because that man was a straight shooter. He was a, a shooter. Oh, he's still, he's, to this day, to this day, he still goes, man. It's unbelievable what he does at his age. Uh, that it, and probably still in one of the best shapes of his life, too. Yeah. <laughs> that man, yep. So I have to ask you, like, uh, you know, not to ignore your first trainer or, or your third with me and Matt Bourne. I have to ask you, man, how was it working under Nunzio that was so respected and so feared for his shoot style? How was it? It was great because he took me and he was like, he didn't care how big I was. I needed to learn everything that the Cruiserweights did, and I did. And that's why I think I am as well versed doing everything today except just being a classic big man. And, uh, you know, it's always a workout with him. It was always, uh, always get blown up, always get tired, always a good workout with him. And I, I can't thank him enough for it. To this day, I still call him once a week to see how he's doing. Oh, that's, that, that's, that, you see, that, like, people like that, Mr. Marconi, like you, it's hard to find in the business. And I'm pretty sure he's very uh, thankful for having such a great friend in you. Uh, but also, you were inspired by one of the most controversial stars in all professional wrestling, Kevin Nash. And right, that's my man. That's my favorite. 
Well, one of the things one of the things I did while doing my homework on you, Mr. Marconi, was that you actually at one time uh, dedicated your attire to Kevin Nash. That you came out with the tassels. You you looked very oh, dieselish. Yeah, uh, yeah to, to the point to, to the point where uh, I got called Diesel during matches or fake Diesel. Uh, it was uh, you know the, the fandom is true. Like I, I'm a wrestling fan at the end of the day. Like, other people don't like to say that they're wrestling fans when they're in the business, but I am to this day still a wrestling fan, and Kevin Nash was the reason why I started wrestling. So when I, when I tried to get my first look of how I would portray myself, I was like, there's no other guy to do it than Diesel. I mean, today I switched it up a bit, but, you know, Diesel was my guy. That was the reason why I started wrestling. Well... Well, mind you, you were actually booked in a tag team match, uh, you and Stockade. Uh, it didn't go yeah. as planned because uh, Mr. Nash did have a quad injury. You know, yes, so yes, the infamous it. quad injury, but then he hit me with a steel chair to make X-Pac beat me, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's where I was going to get to the to the to that question Mr. Marconi how did it feel to be in the match with the guy who inspired you to be to put on you know to start your wrestling career in the first place like it must have been like that fan the fan Marconi must have been like oh my god I'm actually here <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it was hard to contain it it really was and uh you know I have unfinished business and he told me that he goes listen I'm not dead we'll get one on one eventually you know so I mean at the moment, it was hard to contain it, and I did my very best to do it. But I mean, it was kind of surreal. I'm sitting there, and my the, the guy who made me want to be a wrestler is ringside. You know, it was uh, you know, top, one of the top moments of my not only career but my my life at the moment. So, mind you, like how you were saying, you know, th that was left undone. But basically, you know, it's still part of your bucket list to one day say, "I'm stepping in the ring with my role model, my inspiration, Kevin Nash." Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I would love to see that, man. I will fly out there just to watch that because <laughs> I, I will personally go. I, listen, I'm a journalist, but I will personally. I, I'm putting my fan out there right now. I will mark out if you guys yeah. both came out with the tassel tights. I'll get some new tassel tights to come out to just for that match. I've already planned on it, so. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. So, mind you, you earlier talked about even training cruiserweight style and and, and all that yeah. stuff, like how you learned uh, as a young wrestler getting into the business, you learned how to work with cruiserweights and stuff. Uh, but basically, uh, you started off that way, then you received an injury uh, to your back, uh, you know, after yeah. those flips. You know, tell us about that. Like, how did that change you up as a person after you got your back injury? Well, I mean, I was being uh, a little crazy. So I was doing, every night I was trying to prove to everybody, I'm like, hey, I can do everything these 150-pound guys can do, but I was doing it at 350 pounds. So I was putting a lot of stress on my back, and I had it took off uh, almost 18 months of my career on and off. So, I mean, I had to calm down a bit. But, uh, I'm, listen, if you, if you go to House of Glory, House of Glory is where I still pull it out, like, every show, because they expect it of me now. So just like Taker has his his dive and Big Show had his drop kick when he first started coming off the top rope. I always got to do something for House, the House of Glory fans. And uh, in two weeks, the, the 18th, I got something special planned for them too. Because uh, I know cruiserweights can do all the flips, but when a big guy does it, it's something crazy. 
<laughs> well, my, does that ever, like, sorry for putting this out there with the whole stereotyping, but I have to ask as a journalist, does that ever kind of, like, harm the image of the big guy when they start doing the flips and all that stuff? Because I know oh, a lot I, of people yeah, do it. But... Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, if I were to go back, I would never do it because I think it okay. kind of demeans the big man. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't see Andre the Giant do it. You didn't see Kevin Nash do it. But when I got into the business, it was kind of driven that you had to do it because that was, that's the way that it was going towards. I personally don't like it. I personally don't like it, but I feel like it's a necessity now to stand out because being a classic big man nowadays, it's just it, it does not get you to the level you need to be. You need to be able to showcase your athletic ability, and by doing that, like the guys like Brian Cage do, you know? Yeah, and I have to say, for the record, one of my favorite matches of all time was, uh, again, one of your boys, uh, Kevin Nash, when he actually uh, feuded with Rey Mysterio in WCW. You know, yeah. that was one of my top favorite feuds because it was that big man versus small man, the high-flying versus the brutality, and I was huge on that. So in in your case, do you feel like that business still has that for the wrestling fans, like the whole big man versus small man kind of image? They do, but then if you look at it, you know, it's like people will take a, you know, they, they, they don't like Braun Strowman because he's just a classic big man. So his feud with Sami Zayn, I mean, he's getting the exact response he needs to as the heel, but, you know, he doesn't get the, the same respect because, oh, he's just a big guy. But, I mean, he's a... He's a big man doing athletic stuff in the ring. Like, people who constantly critique wrestling have never gone into a wrestling ring and actually tried to have a wrestling match. So they think that it's just an easy cakewalk. And I, I believe what's hurting the classic big man for a small man thing is that they automatically take a, a crap on the big guy because he's not doing more athletic stuff. What was your favorite big man versus small man match, if you have to say? I, I, like I said, the Kevin Nash Ray Mysterio was my favorite. What has to be one of your favorite big man small matches that you want to probably, you know, uh, copy one day? Not copy, but that's the best word I could use right now. <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily as, as small as I would as you would think, but I think the feud between uh, Taker and Edge is a good dynamic of big guy versus smaller guy, as well as Nash and Michaels. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a good way to properly do a big man, small man match in my mind. Awesome. Yeah, I would love – man, if you – <laughs> I'm already trying to see who could be your HBK <laughs> or, or, or Edge. Hey, well, if I'm, you have books, I know Rob Fury is probably listening. Hey. Find him a, a, a Shawn Michaels or a free. <laughs> I would love to see that. You, anyway, I've been dying to wrestle my good friend Paul London. I mean, that would be the guy. Like that's like at the top of my bucket list right now too, because uh, I think me and him could do some classic work. Hey, I hope any Florida bookers or any uh, or Rob Rob Fury. I hope you're listening. Right here, you got money. <laughs> T.J. Marconi for Paul yeah. London. Just saying. Right. So. It, Let's get that booked. Marconi versus London. Hashtag Marconi versus London. Uh, but I also have a message here from from my cue card guy here for you. Uh, by the way, TJ, okay. uh, he Raymond Sanchez wanted me to tell you that the trust fall is definitely not common for a big man. I don't know. No, what exactly. That means. You know, um, that's something I did at House of Glory. 
I got to the top rope and I got a little terrified. I was going to do a moonsault, so instead of doing a moonsault, I just fell backwards on everybody. You know, I trusted them to catch me, but I kind of squished them on the way down, and it, it worked. So. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, thank you, Raymond, for that cue. Uh, so, guys, I, I'm now going to close my mic. I stole a lot of questions from my two co-hosts the last, uh, with our first guest that was just here. I don't want to do that on round two. So, Christina, the, the mic is all yours, and Mr. Marconi is yours. All right, thanks, George. Uh, you know, we, we kind of touched in on, you know, your training and everything, but I kind of want to go a little bit before that because I'm – what really interests me is kind of, you know, seeing where you got your interest in wrestling from. Do you remember, like, the first encounter you had with it as a kid? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, a, I guess, a two-part question. Um, a two-part answer, I mean. Uh, I would watch the Saturday morning cartoons, and then right after the cartoons would be wrestling. It would be like uh, – like Saturday morning slam or something. I, I'm probably the complete uh, Saturday morning superstars. And that was my first taste of wrestling. And you've seen the Hulk Hogan's and the Bret Hart's, but that would be my first taste of wrestling. But the re what made me become a wrestler was I was watching WrestleMania 11 and it was Kevin Nash versus uh, HBK. And right after that match, I turned to my grandmother who I would watch wrestling with. And I'm like, listen, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be a wrestler. So I was six years old. I watched Kevin Nash just beat up Shawn Michaels. He had the championship. He had, Jenny McCarthy and Pam Madison, I'm six years old. I have no idea where any of these people are, but I'm like, listen, this is what I want to do in my life. I want to be a wrestler. So it's kind of a two-part question, a uh, two-part answer. And, and how did your family react to that? Because you come from a pretty large family. Yes, yes. I am the oldest of ten. I am the oldest of ten. I have uh, ten younger siblings. Uh, my father uh, didn't like it at first. My grandmother was always for it. My mom, who I really don't talk to my mom as as, as much as uh, as from a child to now, but she was definitely not for it when she found that I was a wrestler. But my little brothers and sisters love it. I mean, I'm their favorite wrestler now. They watch me on YouTube. They come to my shows when I can. I mean, I try to keep them away from the shows because they try to jump the guardrail and help me win the matches. So I have to be careful about that. But, you know, my, my family, for the most part, love it. You know, because for me, like, I was the younger the younger sister of me and my brother. And me and him would constantly put on matches. Like, we would have our own WrestleManias with our own, like, you know, little wrestling buddies or Hulk Hogan and stuff. And, you know, we had our characters. We had our gimmicks. Like, did you do that with your brothers and sisters? Like, did you constantly, like, put them in, in headlocks and body slam them on your couch? I, 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 wish, I wish, but uh, one of them was a, li a little bit closer to me in age, my, my, uh, my oldest little brother, Matthew. But the rest of them are really tiny. So I'm, I'm 28, and he is uh, 20. And then after him is a bunch of young guys. Like, they're still teenagers, and the youngest is six. So, I mean, I really get to, I didn't get to beat them up as much. I would always fight, play, fight with my friends. We would throw matches in the backyard and fight at the, train, at the abandoned train station in Staten Island where I grew up. It was just, you know, that's how we did it. I didn't really get to do it as much with my siblings, but it was always my friends and then, like, my one older little brother. And what was your wrestling gimmick or your wrestling name as a kid? Uh, my wrestling name as a kid was TJ Fury, which is kind of funny now because I work for a guy named Rob Fury. But my wrestling name as a child was TJ Fury. I don't know why, but uh, I, 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 TJ is, is my name, and I kept that. And I hated my, my real last name, which I'm using now with Marconi because it kind of works. But, you know, everyone still calls me Macaroni. So, I mean, it's still, still kind of funny. Better than my, my wrestling name and gimmick as a kid. 
because you yeah. know, even though I'm I'm younger than my brother, I had a lot more weight uh, on me than he did. He was a very tall, thin yeah. kid, and his wrestling yeah. name was uh, Beautiful Brandon, and he wore little like tidy whities and my mom put it with like <laughs> silver sharpie on the back, and I just wore like a pink bathing suit, and I was just like the big burly girl. And this is the first time I've literally ever revealed this to any sort of public at all. But my wrestling name was Conky. And I could not tell you why. Even to this day, don't know where it came from. But that was just, my wrestling just, name as a kid. It's just, it just what it was. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you may be embarrassed of what your wrestling name was as a kid, but I doubt it's more embarrassing than mine. <laughs> Hey, man, everyone, everyone has funny names, you know, like Dolph Ziggler. Who thought that would work? Right? It's it's crazy the things that just work. It really is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, since uh, we're running a little bit of this interview a little later because uh, the last one was, went a little long, I'm going to throw it off to Rick so he gets enough of his time in. And I appreciate the uh, the time you spent with me. Of course, man. Any Anytime, anytime. I'm happy to interview. It's always fun for me. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good. You? Uh, good, good. Uh, Florida indie wrestling is going through somewhat of a renaissance, I guess, uh, thanks to the cruiser rates and so forth. What, what is your perception of the indie scene as a performer? Uh, indie scene in Florida or just uh, in general? In general. In general. In ge- I mean, the indies are very, are very prosperous right now. I mean... The Midwest is taking off, you know. I mean, PWG and the SoCal area is taking off. The Northeast is starting to get back into how it was in the early 2000s. I just, I think indie uh, indie wrestling in general is, is picking up abroad and at home. And uh, I'm hearing nothing but good things about Florida, and I'm happy. I wrestled there last year for WXW in uh, Mel. Uh, I think it's uh, I forget the town name. I'm um, Melbourne, oh, I believe. In Mineola, yeah. I apologize, uh, Mineola. But uh, I hear nothing but good things about Florida wrestling. I'm trying to get down to South Florida because I have a lot of family down there that I that I want to wrestle in front of, and I hear nothing but good things from my friends down there in Florida that it's picking up tremendously right now. Oh yeah, there was a time uh, like I, like I said, there was a time really not that long ago. I guess right before the whole Cruiserweight Classic started, that it was sort of in a in a down in a downswing. But man, it's really absolutely picked up. Now you mentioned uh, Kevin Nash. Is aside from Kevin Nash. Would there be a dream match of somebody out there for you, either WWE or indie scene, that you've never wrestled before? That would be kind of a dream match for you. I mean, there's, there's a couple. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to wrestle anybody of note, anybody of indie, any, any new guy, older guy. But I mean, if I had to pick like five guys that are, it's like, hey, this is, if I had unlimited money and unlimited funds to throw a show, these are the five guys I want to wrestle. I mean, Paul London's probably the top of my list right now, just because getting to know him and how he is as a person, how he is in the ring. Um, I think me and Drew Galloway would be a really good match. I mean, just because we're both tall, athletic people. Um, I mean, I'm, even though Jay Lethal is exclusive to Ring of Honor, the guy's probably the best wrestler in the world. Another guy who's great is uh, Sammy Callahan. I mean, there's so many people that I think I can have a really good match with. And uh, I have uh, one of them on my list with Brian Cage. So, I mean, I get to cross that off on March 4th. Yeah, we got to see him at Ronan. I'd never seen him before. That, 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 that's talk about a, an athletic big guy. Holy crap, that's one big athletic guy right there. Um, yeah, I, I got my work cut out for me. Yeah, the name that I we, that it, I usually get a lot of when I ask that question, and it, this would kind of tie into the big guy, small guy, is AJ Styles. How would that? How would that uh, interest? Would that pique your interest at all? I mean, yeah, he's, he's probably the, if one of the best, if not the best uh, wrestler going today. 
I mean, if you, if you don't want to wrestle one of the top guys making the most money in the biggest company, then I think you're you're foolish. Now, what about uh, have you been in the like to Japan and Mexico? If, and if not, would those be bucket list items for you? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, I've never been to Mexico or, or Japan. Japan is definitely a bucket list for me. Uh, WWE is obviously my first choice, and uh, some people will say it's not to sound too cool for school, but. If I want to be in WWE, it's my number one goal. But if not, I mean, Japan is taking off right now. They have such a good product with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And even, you know, the, all the smaller companies out there are making money again. And uh, Japan is just a different atmosphere and a different appreciation for wrestling. And I think I would uh, thrive out there. Have you ever had any snips from the Performance Center NXT-wise for a WWE or, or not yet? Not yet, not yet, not yet. I had a... Uh, couple tryouts at, uh, when they're on the road up here. And, I mean, I got punched in the face by Roman Reigns last year on TV. They gave me some pretty solid TV time. But I'm not like most, and I won't gloat about it or post my picture on Facebook. But, uh, I mean, I, I've been there, and, uh, you know, I, I do. I, I see the size of the roster right now, and I think if, you know, I'm just getting in that performance center shape and keep working, make a name for myself, it's only a matter of time. What was that like for you to be to be able to be in the ring with, with Roman Reigns? What was that like for you personally? How, what was going through your mind? I mean, uh, in my mind, I was you know I was all business. Like I was trying to be all business, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying, all right, you know what? They can never take this away from me. I can get hurt tomorrow or stop wrestling tomorrow, and no matter what, I did this once. I was in a WWE ring, no matter how small, big of a role it was. And there's thousands of people that dream to do just that. And uh, they can't take that away from me. So I was kind of relieved that I at least got there once. And, uh, and I got hungry to do it again. Absolutely. What about, uh, were you able to talk to any of the guys in terms of getting any advice afterwards? Or was this kind of an in and It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a TV product. There's so many busy bees running around. And you can try to talk to as many people as you're there. But, I mean, everyone's there to work and do business. I mean, I get some, I get good advice from guys that I that are, have been helping me out in the business, like Anunzio or like Tommy Dreamer has been extremely influential in my career. I wrestled him once, and then he liked my work, and he's always looking out for me. You know, I'm on House of Hardcore, every House of Hardcore that they have, and he gives me advice after every match at House of Hardcore. So, I mean, Tommy Dreamer has been one of, if not the most influential guy, besides one of my trainers going forward, giving me advice and telling me what I need to get done to get to the next level. Well, I certainly hope that you uh, you find your way down here, down to South Florida, and uh, actually, uh, George and Christine and myself will absolutely be uh, be ringside. I appreciate your time, and with that, I'm going to hand you back to George. Come on, thank you, thank All you. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rick and Christina. Great, great questions from you both. Uh, Mr. Marconi, I have to ask you one thing because, uh, of course, this is something I wanted to ask, but just in case, I didn't want to steal it from one of them, in case. Uh, you were part of a crusade for change in professional wrestling. Yes, yes. And, yes. and and one of the things that is heard of, like it it's all started with CM Punk. Not saying that you took it from him or that you were before him or anything, but one that resembles so much from the, the campaign that he started that changed so much. And then Daniel Bryan and all that stuff, that was a change for what we see on TV right now. What is yes. your crusade about? Like what do you want to change in the world of professional wrestling? When I first started the Crusade for Change, it was um, we were in a company called Beyond Wrestling. Me, Darius Carter, and uh, the Minutemen, as as well as a man named Danny Only, who's a 
a bigger wrestler in uh, Georgia. Um, we were being overlooked by that company. So, I mean, the state for change at, at the infancy was about making that company notice us. And then it just kind of blew up and we were more about changing the perspective of wrestling and trying to make wrestling into our own image and trying to make wrestling how we wanted it again, about how we, we grew up watching. You know, I, I, for me, it was about making it yeah, the big man ever again. You know, because it was getting like the big men were never seen again. And that was my crusade. That's why I was yeah. in the crusade for change. And the crusade for change kind of just blew up, and now I have a crusade for change in Maine, a crusade for change in Florida, starting a crusade for change in Georgia. It's like they, it's just people who are fed up with uh, what wrestling is giving them, so they're going to take it for themselves. So basically, you started, uh, you know, a movement per se. You know, just like how right. the Yes movement, the the Ten movement, you started the Crusade for Change movement. And yeah. what do you do? You feel like so far your crusade has done what its job. Do you feel like, hey, pro wrestling is turning, you know, watchable again? Like in your crusade, I mean. I mean, we're getting there. I'm never satisfied. That's my problem. I mean, I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna always want more. So I'm my crusade never ends. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's getting there. It's getting there. Well, w I'll tell you this much: the, like WWE is getting your message <laughs> because yeah, we've I seen. <laughs> because I, I feel like Monday Night Raw has been taken over by a bunch of heavyweights all over again. You know, we see the Samoa Joes, the Braun Strowmans, the Roman Reigns, uh, you know, and that's just starting. We barely see, like, the, no offense to them. I'm not saying that they're bad or anything, but we barely see any, like, the Daniel Bryans anymore and, and all that stuff. So it, it's kind of like, and let me tell you something, sometimes the big men help the little men too. So the yeah. big men are necessary, are necessary in this business. What, what do you have to say on that? Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't agree more. I mean, I, I'm going to be biased because of I, me being a big man, but, uh, you know, the, a little guy in peril sells more, makes more money than just, you know, my opinion, you know, it's just, you know, two little guys doing a dance and acrobats. I mean, it's, it's incredible what they do, but I think the money – that people want to see, you know, the, the the good guy needs to be in peril. The good guy needs to have his 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 damsel in distress. He needs to have this city about to blow up, and that and that he needs that big villain. And that's that's what I believe wrestling was like. It, it's always good first evil for me. That's how it's going to be for me. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do a cheap plug here with a question. Is that what we could? <laughs> is that what we could get with uh, the product that you know SWF is providing right now? Oh yeah, but in this case, I, I, I'm I'm the good guy this time. I'm defending the company from the the group of. I got I got the uh, the bad Justice League. I got the suicide uh, not the Suicide Squad kind of a tweener, but I mean, I got I got the I got the bad guys uh, trying to take over the company. I'm the champion for, so I got to be the the Superman. What do you have? Be honest, Mr. Marconi, and I promise this is my last question. I know you're busy. Um, what do you find more fun with? Do you like the heel or the face or the tweener? Oh, I, I love being a heel. I love being a heel. <laughs> I love it because it, unlike my real life persona and my my real life character, you know, I'm very I'm very fun loving and I'm very like uh, I'm easygoing and you can I'm not, I'm not a bad person, but. To play the bad guy and to make people hate me and have them in the palm of my hand and make the good guy 
look that much better for how bad I'm being, I get more joy out of that. Huh. Well, mind you, the, the I, I've always loved, when I was a worker, I had to stop because of my diabetes, but I had this one opportunity to play the heel in Mississippi. I had yeah. so much freaking fun. <laughs> that was yeah. ridiculous. I had, peop- I had people threatening me. Mr. Marconi saying, yeah. you don't yeah. get it. I, <laughs> I loved it. And yeah. I have to ask you this, now that we're having fun with this, have you had a situation where you're, you're playing the heel character so good that you have someone in the audience saying, I'm going to kill you, like from the days of old? Well, I mean, I, I think I play it so well sometimes that I have the, the boys in the back believing me that, that I am the way that I am. I mean, it's kind of uh, we've got we've got, we got to a point now where on a lot of the indie shows, the biggest fans are the other guys in the back, which I think is cool and all. But if you can get them to believe it for a second, then you definitely did your job. Agreed, a hundred percent on that one. Agreed, agreed, yeah. agreed. So, sir, I have to now go ahead and say thank you so very much for, for joining us. We're running out of time, but let's do a quick plug one last time uh, for those who are tuning in very late. Again, you got shows coming up for SWF coming up very soon, and, of course, House of Glory, uh, where you are also defending the title at SWF against Brian Cage. Tell us what uh, t- tell the fans what they could be expecting of coming in these SWF shows and your House of Glory appearance, uh, and where can they purchase tickets? I mean, uh, you, I'm going to be all over the place in the next couple months, but uh, SWF is running a bunch of shows. It's almost every week at this point, and they're going to be at WrestleCon and the big event in New York and WrestleCon in Florida, and that's SWFPro.com for all tickets for that. Uh, House of Glory is HouseOfGloryOnline.net. Uh, and that's in Queens, New York. It's got Alberto Del Rio. It's got Evan Bourne on the show. It has Loki, and it has me. So I mean, it's going to be a good time. And then you can see me at WrestleCon in Florida during WrestleMania weekend. Come by, hang out. I mean, bring me coffee, bring me an energy drink. I'm I'm down for whatever. <laughs> Oh, you'd better believe it, Mr. Marconi. Uh, so, Mr. Marconi, uh, basically, let, now let's do some other plugs for you. Uh, how can fans catch you on social media, uh, whether it be Facebook? I know Instagram's a thing now, too, Twitter. How can bookers get a hold of you for any kind of inquiries? And, of course, we already talked about, you know, your future appearances, but if you want to do more plugs on future appearances, go right ahead. I mean, the best way to get a hold of me is you type in T-J-M-A-R-C-O-N-I. That's T-J Marconi on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The best way to reach me is probably Twitter or Facebook Messenger. You know, everyone says to email them, but, I mean, you can get direct to me with a message on Facebook or Twitter. I do have openings. I'm always looking for more work. I, tra- I want to travel, especially, you know, South, South Florida listening to me. I'm t- I have family that I need to wrestle in front of before. It's too late, you know, because they're a little bit older, and I want to have them see me live. So I'm definitely trying to get to South Florida, and I'm definitely going to be in Orlando for WrestleMania weekend. Awesome. All right, well, Mr. Marconi, again, thank you so very much for your time here tonight on on Reality Check Radio. And, oh, Christina, perfect gentleman to start it with. Mr. Marconi, you're going to be an inaugural person to do this for us. All right, man. Christina, our marketing manager, wants to see if, you know, great talents like yourself will give us a, uh, I think they call it a plug or drop in, in yeah, the radio you. business. All right. Yeah. So basic, 
basically, if you could, just could say your name and say keep on listening to Reality Check Radio or say whatever you'd like leading up to that, okay. I'll gladly appreciate you it. Let me, let me get the recorder ready. One sec. Do, 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 do. All right. And three, two, one, go for it. This is the blue-eyed devil, T.J. Marconi. You got to keep listening to Reality Check Radio, the best thing going on radio today. Done. Mr. Marconi, you are in our, our inaugural person to ever do that for us. Thank you so very much for that honor. And uh, we look forward to seeing you up in Orlando, man. Uh, man, I can't wait. I'll see you guys there. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure, Mr. Marconi. See you soon. Good night, guys. Thank you. Good night. All right. Well, Christina, you're our marketing manager and also one of our COOs. What did you think about that drop? Oh, fantastic. I'm so happy right now. (laughs) Because I literally just downed a half a coffee in the past five minutes. That I'm like jittery, or it could be from the excitement. <laughs> it's probably from both. <laughs> well, that sounded great, and we'll you'll be hearing those commercials more uh, this year in 2017 on Reality Check Radio. Now, Rick, what what do you think about this last interview, my friend? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, again, a guy I really uh, was turned on to, so to speak. Really didn't know much of him, but I'm gonna definitely uh, up on the internet and start uh, following his matches. Awesome. So, guys, I think that just does about it for Reality Check Radio here tonight. Uh, next week we do our Women's Wrestling Appreciation Night number two. Next week, of course, we're gonna have the local sensation Dynamite Didi on the show next week, and just announced. We're going to have a woman of honor starting up the show next week with Faye Jackson will be here on the show next week. So Faye Jackson from Ring of Honor and Dynamite Didi in one show. Two feisty women in the business. I, I, D, <laughs> Rick, you know Didi very well. Uh, <laughs> I expect it to be Dynamite. Didi got ready? Question mark? <laughs> and uh, you, Christina, uh, you're very familiar with the ROH product and the Women of Honor product. I'm pretty sure you've seen Faye Jackson in, in action in the wing, uh, Women of Honor League that they have there. What do you have to say about this announcement? I just literally got this word. It, it's literally amazing. I'm literally still working on the Women of Honor piece I'm writing up right now. literally have it right in front of me trying to finish it up, trying to get it out there. Uh, it's definitely, it's fantastic to be honorable. I know that's a pun, and I know it's a lazy pun, but I'm going to go with it. Awesome. So, guys, make sure you tune in for next week's episode with Faye Jackson from Women of Honor and, of course, Dynamite Didi. Uh, Rick, I want to ask you this because I know you're you're very busy over there. Uh, I see you typing away. Um, is it okay or no? Yes, it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Guys, a former host of ours was just in a very bad car accident. Uh, I just want to take this time to send our prayers and our wishes to hope that she's okay. Uh, Right now, Rick is working on details, trying to find out uh, 
if she's okay, we we don't know yet. We just literally got this news just as as now, as you know, same time as I'm announcing it. And for those who are uh, that wonder who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Miss Millie Cruz, uh, former host and former COO here on Reality Check Radio, was just in a car accident. And please, 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 I'm asking for all you listeners uh, to please take a prayer and send your get well wishes. Get well wishes to Miss Millie Cruz uh, during this tough time. Um, Millie, if you're listening, I'm hoping for the best, and I'm praying for you, girl. So, any last words? Anyone want to share some last words in here, uh, uh, Christina? I'm I'm about to to get off the show and go call her right now. I was literally just talking to her today, so I'm gonna go give her a call and make sure everything's okay. Yeah, uh, I wish I could do the same, um, but uh, please send her my wishes, please, Christina. And uh, and Rick, I know you're gonna do the same thing. So, uh, so guys, uh, Rick, any any word about Miss Miss Cruz? Well, obviously, we hope that she's okay, uh, and I will definitely uh, keep you posted as I hear anything. Okay, thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate that. Uh, so, guys, for everyone here on Reality Check Radio, I'm going to go ahead and close off the show uh, because this is a very, very dangerous situation right now. So, for everyone on Reality Check, I want to say good night. Stay real, folks. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to come back next Monday at 6 p.m. right here on Block Talk Radio and get your dose of Reality Check.